You're listening to episode 261 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our journey with the Netflix series Dark, and Skype didn't cooperate tonight, so we're back to the phones. No, bad Skype, but we just throw ourselves into the loving arms of Verizon, and they take care of us. Yeah, well, speaking of Verizon, you know, I'll throw it out there now. It was going to be my news item. The free streaming service, Verizon Go 90, is apparently no more. I, I was at my phone today, and I was going to kill some time and watch something and hit the app. This service no longer available, so a little bit of research, and I guess maybe they bit off more than they could chew, and no more Verizon Go 90, which is a shame. I mean, they, they had a few series. They had uh, Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles. They had Fringe. You know, all, you know, all seasons of both shows, but right. Oh well. What are you gonna do? Yeah, what are you gonna do? So. Yeah, well, I actually just um, we just cut the cable. We just got rid of our Verizon, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. So what are you doing? Um, we are going to do PS View instead. Okay. Oh, okay. Which is you know, like the the package with all the sports. It's like fifty bucks a month. And, uh, you know, you get uh, pretty much all the stations I watch anyway, and I don't have to pay for, you know, nearly as much for all the all the cable stuff. And definitely don't have to pay for all the equipment that Verizon charges me for every single month. So Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, do you need a box for each TV? You need to get something like a Roku or a Fire Stick. Okay. Which, like a Fire Stick's like 40 bucks, you know, so. Yeah. Once, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Verizon's charging me God knows how much money every month. Well, as you know, or like I've said it before, maybe you don't remember, but I, I have a Roku, and, and you know that's how I get my Netflix. And Roku has a little streaming service, and I just started doing a rewatch of Andromeda. They're like the only people that have Andromeda. Really? So, uh, yeah. Maybe we'll check out Roku then. So yeah, you know, it cost me sixty bucks put all the apps on it and you're good to go yeah so all right well anyway speaking of good to go let's let's get the get a move on here before your phone dies uh if you guys right. want to reach us sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com is uh the way to go if you want to use the written word go to the website leave a voicemail with the leave voicemail tab record your own audio clip if you want to do it that way tweet us at sci-fi tv rewatch or consider joining the facebook group and get into the discussions there all right, so my so tip actually, before week- we get started, I just want to get a really quick shout out because a couple of days ago we went and saw Ant Man the Wasp, which I'm not gonna get into it, but just to say that uh, your girl from Killjoys is in it. Did you know I, I that? No, I, I did know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's great. So, yeah, and actually, Michael and I have been waiting to interview her. We're uh, waiting for the rep to set it up the rep has contacted us and you know we interviewed luke mcfarlane who plays davin mm-hmm. but uh, uh for whatever reason she hasn't been able to coordinate her schedule but uh really looking forward to that for sure yeah. well she does movies now so you know i know she doesn't really she doesn't have to pander to you guys well wasn't kate from lost also in that yeah yep yeah. absolutely yeah she was in both uh, ant-man movies yeah so, all right, real quick tip of the week for me. I mentioned to you last time, I believe, that I'm back watching Sherlock, and we just finished. Actually, we watched the episode that was in between seasons three and four. It was the yeah. one where they, you know, uh, where Sherlock's right. having the the uh, drug-induced hallucination that they're back in the 1890s. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, as I said, I'm rewatching Andromeda. So if you have Roku... Yeah, definitely check it out. What do you got? Oh, Ant Man the Wasp. Oh, oh okay. That's I, 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 it seemed like we weren't going to do pick of the weeks this week. <laughs> okay. So I just wanted to get that in before we get started. But yeah, it, I was, uh, you know, again, it, it um, you know, the first one was was better, definitely. Uh, and Edgar Wright, who did Shaun of the Dead and Super Fuzz, uh, Hot Fuzz, I'm sorry, did the first one. He did not do the second one. And the difference was noticeable almost right away that being said it was still a extremely enjoyable movie very funny uh much like the first one just not quite the writing was not quite of the quality that it was in the first one but still a great movie lots of fun and uh 
So highly recommended. Cool. All right. Well, why don't we pick up with Dark? And this is episode four of season one, titled Double Lives, written by Martin Benke and Yante Frisia, directed as he's directing all the episodes, Baron Bo Odar. And before we get into the discussion, uh, I mean, obviously, you had to have heard the mention of Ariadne's thread. Yes. And, you know, the fact that we're English teachers, uh, of course, Ariadne in, in mythology has come up many times over the course of our careers and our careers as students. So I don't know if you, uh, you know, looked anything up on that. What do I need to look up? I know. Well, okay. Okay. So, I mean, (laughs) but so, so for the listeners, if you don't know, Ariadne was put in charge of the labyrinth by her father, King Minos. And then, you know, when, when Minos sent, well, she was in charge of it per se, but just, you know, she kind of, Knew a big secret about it, right? Oh, well, right. And then when, when Theseus was placed in the labyrinth, uh, as soon as the two of them saw each other, it was love at first sight. So she says, hey, why don't you take this ball of thread? Yeah, Theseus had that way with chicks. And, and then you can find your way out. So right. certainly the idea of Which Ariadne's- you think, why didn't, why didn't anyone else think of that idea? You know? <laughs> well, <laughs> there is that. Now, it comes up in dark, and, and we'll you know, obviously- discuss it when it does come up but and i believe it's in a voiceover but the idea of ariadne's thread which is of course named for the legend of ariadne it's a method of solving a problem with a number of different approaches now you know I, i think some people mischaracterize it as trial and error but it it's supposed to be a very deliberate attempt at solving a problem and that the idea is that you take copious notes and that you okay you you learn from your mistakes which again i guess you could argue is trial and error but how it fits into dark isn't immediately clear but you know we'll just leave it at that for for right now well it also can be if you if you look at the myth it's a way of entering a maze and finding your way back out right right and certainly, you know, Mickle, if we see the cave as maybe some kind of maze, or now this whole idea of black holes is raised right in the beginning of this. So, you know, what is actually happening, the, the phenomenon that brings Mickle from uh, 2019 to 1986, uh, certainly he's now trying to, to get back, but you know, will he be able to? Well, maybe, yes, he will, based on this, you know, kind of concept of of Ariadne's thread, that maybe there's something that he can follow back to get home, you know, from the maze of the cave. Right. Now, we talked last time about Mikkel's age, and there's a radio report that's playing in the background and establishes that he is, in fact, 11 years old, which is almost 12, but... Yep. So maybe 12 isn't as significant as as we perhaps thought it might be but you know this episode is really about the dopplers and their secrets and charlotte's husband which there are many oh my god well well peter her husband son of helge also grandson of the plant manager before claudia tiedemann right what the hell is his secret i mean this guy (sighs) is a poster child for somebody that needs a therapist of his own to talk to about yeah, whatever's yeah. bothering him. Physician, heal thyself, right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, but. he's he's a, a mess. And we, we knew before that he, you know, there's just some of these characters I just can't, like, I just can't like, you know. And we see all these guys who are just horrible, horrible liars. We got, you know, uh, Tronte Nielsen is, you know, terrible Ulrich is no great master at the art, and but Peter is the the absolute worst. I mean, he actually, you know, called Charlotte, and when she finally gets around, like thirty six hours later, saying, "Hey, what'd you call about?" He's like, "No, nah, I don't know, nothing." <laughs> and he literally left a message, didn't he? He left a message like, "Like I, I have something to tell you." I guess she hasn't gotten around to listen to the message yet. Well, I mean, obviously we know he's lying. I think she certainly suspects of highly she knows. that he's the, the lying. The minute she, he starts stammering, she heads right to the trailer of of the you know the the person that Peter had been you know spending time with uh, the year before. So, 
Right. Not to mention that she's got his license plate on the uh, SD card. But you know, the, the other thing that occurred to me is the name Doppler. And, and of course, in this area, and I guess every area, but the idea of Doppler radar, like, okay, well, what's the Doppler effect? And it's a, a change in frequency or wavelength of, of a wave in relation to the observer who's moving relative to the wave force, which, okay, obviously we, we've heard now about these sound waves that the medical examiner tells Charlotte is perhaps what brought the birds down and, and that it wasn't the waves that killed them, but rather it was that they lost their bearings. Electromagnetic waves. Right. And and crashed to earth and I guess fractured their skulls or whatever. But the other thing, and obviously anytime we're in a classroom in a high school, it gets our attention. (laughs) So yeah. this high school English teacher is talking about Goethe, which obviously you and I immediately figure, all right, this must be an AP class. And yeah. the first thing you notice is the kid Well, in maybe in Germany, it's that's standard fare, you know, like. Well, it could be. Absolutely. German listeners, be. tell us, when do you, do you, because they're juniors, right? Are they juniors or seniors? Well. 11th or 12th grade. I don't I'm know. I'm not sure. There. There. So, uh, yeah. Tell us, when do you, when do you read Faust in, uh. <laughs> In German high school. And and he starts talking about Goethe's doubling effect. And, of course, then that gets me to thinking about the doppelganger, the double of a living person. So how any of this plays in, if, in fact, it does, you know, we'll see as the series unfolds. But I I couldn't help but bring it up. Well, yeah. And plus, I mean, obviously, anyone who's listened to this for any time know we're going to call the task whenever they have a seed in the high school and it's just always just terrible, you know. Just like you know, like the the English teacher is just like the your your spacey English teacher, and uh, well, I guess it'd be German. I guess they'd call it in Germany uh, literature. Let's say, you know, he's like Magnus. You're not supposed to be here, and Magnus is just like, yeah. So, and the teacher just keeps on going. Oh well, you know. And then the girl pull, you know, Francesca pulls the incredibly blatant texting under. The, the desk and now all of a sudden has to go to the bathroom uh, and uh, of course needs to take her phone with her to the bathroom so uh, well she took everything with her yeah right her. she took her bag and everything so it's just like you know I guess professionally speaking I, I just it's tough for me to watch uh, these scenes you know yeah. but uh, I, I don't know where see- the writer, these writers went to high school honestly well that's a good point so now the other thing i'm not a big fan of the editing in this episode and i understand that they're trying to establish a sense of urgency and the desire to show what everyone is doing at a moment in time but i I just some of the scenes should have been allowed to develop a bit particularly with jonas so it's not something we've seen in every episode but i really noticed it here yeah well you're absolutely, especially with Jonas, you know, but I, I just assume, I, you know, I don't know if I thought this the first time watching it is that they're kind of keeping us in the dark as to what he's up to. Right. Uh, of course. And then speaking about being kept in the dark, we have the introduction of the enigmatic character, Noah, and, you know, we'll, we'll get to what we learn about him in, in a little bit, but the opening scene, we see the image of the outside of what looks like an underground bunker or storm cellar that's built into the side of this, you know, little hill. And we can see that it's lit from the inside. The editing suggests that this may be the room with the chair in which Eric is being held. Would you agree with that? Right when this thing started, I was like taking notes fast and furious. So I missed a little bit of the visuals for that early scene. Was that the, the place that, um, who's well, it, Peter go to? Well, later? Char- yes. And, and Charlotte actually Charlotte, descends right. into it. It says Doppler on the outside of it. Right. Right. So the way they then edited it in that, that, uh, Oh, right. The, they show the, the bunker that they go down into, right? Is that yes. what they showed? Right. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 I remember that now. Yeah. So we don't know for sure, but it's certainly being suggested at this point. Now, sure. The other thing in this opening scene, we see the tattoo on the back of the stranger, which 
seems to be the opening of the cave with writing. Well, we don't know that's the stranger. Well, we don't. um, It is a stranger. Okay. All right. It is someone. We have not seen a person tatted up like that yet. Right. But the stranger has been wearing his clothes, so. (laughs) Right. Now, you mentioned at the beginning of the discussion the idea of the black hole, and this is the point where the voiceover talks to us about the connection of a black hole to a hellmouth, and then, of course, I'm thinking I'm back to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But what exists behind a black hole, the voiceover asks us. Are space and time tied together as part of an endless cycle? What if everything that came from the past was actually influenced by the future? So the whole idea of asking whether it's part of an endless cycle, then I guess we have to consider at this point, are we in some sort of a time loop? And obviously at this point, we don't know, but that's my takeaway from that voiceover. Well, certainly at the end, uh, there's only, they talk about there's only one path through all times predetermined by the beginning and by the end, which is also the beginning. So that, I believe, is what we call a time loop. Sounds very loopy to me. Or or a loop. Yeah, very loopy. I mean, this, if if your your head was not already hurting uh, from watching Dark at this point, um, certainly by this point, you're just like, you know, I am... You're incredibly confused right now. Right. So Now, as we said, it's predominantly an episode about the Dopplers, but we do see a little bit of Ulrich and Katarina. The first thing we see is she's watching Ulrich sleep in Mikkel's bed, and we understand it's that connection to his missing son, but then he wakes and she tells him Charlotte still doesn't have the search warrant for the power plant, and he is going ballistic, and of course, we really feel for her because of her missing son and probably the nagging feeling her husband's cheating on her. Sure. And then that scene where she's just standing motionless in the middle of the room holding the vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, at no point do we see them embrace or kiss or really show any affection and and. You know, I, I I would think that it's not inconsistent with what happens with the situation that they're in. You know, when, you know, certainly um, there's blame to go around and, you know, everyone is just, you know, the, the, the emotions of the Nielsen family, as we say right now, are just incredibly raw. They, they are just live wires like the whole family. Um, but th- we, we really see the relationship between Katarina and Ulrich is, if it already wasn't kind of deteriorating, which we assume there must have been some deterioration there as he was having an affair with Hannah. But, and, and, and certainly, like we say, Katarina, we're, it's just before, like, we've got no hint yet that she knows, but you know she has eyes and ears and a nose and everything so her you know certainly we think her suspicions might be at least somewhat uh justified so yeah it's just just bad just bad this relationship you know yeah and and then we later see that hooded man staring and and walking out towards the reactors and of course it turns out to be Ulrich and you know when we talk about the dopplers we'll talk about the end result of that excursion for him but the right. other- well and we're also like who is this hooded you know like is well, this right. the hooded guy because we, we we've seen a hooded guy and the stranger has been having the hood so we know well is he the other hooded guy that we see and now Ulrich with that same black jacket with the deep hood well is Ulrich this hooded guy we keep seeing so there's this obviously this recurring theme of the dark jacket with the the, the, the deep hood that we can't see the person's face in. Right. Now, the other storyline is, of course, Jonas and the map, and, and we see him poring over the map. And again, that notation, where is the crossing, jumps out of, at us. And I think at this point, we can put two and two together, and the crossing must be the point in the cave where, you know, now he doesn't know what right. it means, but 
as the viewer, you know, we, we understand that the cave has some sort of time travel properties in it and the crossing must refer to that point in the cave. But, uh, you know, as we said, he of course doesn't uh, know it. <laughs> now the, the yeah. you know, obviously this is a very dark show, no pun intended. And, and, and it's very serious, but, when Jonas's mother tells him he can cut school and the two of them can do something fun, I'm thinking like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> what teenage boy is going to cut school to go do something fun with his mom? I mean, maybe, yeah. look, I, I, maybe that speaks to my relationship with my mother, but well, no, I, I think, um, well, yeah, he's also, you know, missed a lot of school recently. Um, so he's maybe not, you know, like the idea of of skiving off of school is not necessarily really at this point something that's really attractive to him, especially with, you know, I mean, like he's in high school and, you know, kids talk and, you know, certainly he came back his first day and he feels like everyone is talking about him and saying stuff about him. And, you know, he, he part of it might feel if like, especially with the way everything is going and all this with Mickle, if I don't show up to school, will people start talking about me? Yeah. You know, probably. But yeah, he's just like, he looks, he calls her mother too. And I'm not sure if, if that is, you know, part of the, the, the dub or if that's what they, if he used the formal uh, sense of that word in German as well. But, uh, but yeah, like you can see right away, it's just like Hannah's suggestion is not an attractive one to him. Yeah. Now we do see the stranger, the the stranger that we're used to seeing in the hood, the one we've you know actually seen his face, you know, in, in that little room that he's taken, and he he's watching Jonas from behind a tree, and this is the scene you know where Jonas is taking his map, enters the cave, and then is using the map to navigate once he gets inside. But when Jonas first goes in, I don't know if you noticed, the stranger kind of looks at his watch. No, yeah, he's timing him. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's what he's doing. Okay. I was just wondering if he was looking at it as if he knew something was about to happen, or is that kind of what you're saying when you say? Uh, well, yeah, I, I think whatever he's he's. I, I shouldn't say timing him per se. Now, like, okay, let's see. Hey, Jonas, you're ten seconds better getting to the cave than you were yesterday. Um, he's. Uh, I think he's he's noting the time. I okay. guess is, is what I meant to say. So certainly, um, yeah. That that that's like. I mean, obviously that someone looking at their watch like that indicates that they're in on something, right? Like, oh, the the bomb's going to go off in 30 seconds or something, you know? Okay. And, you know, I still feel it's a criticism of the episode with the pretty fast-paced editing, but I do understand it to a certain degree because, for instance, he comes to that impasse in the cave and on his map is noted the beginning is the end and the end is the beginning. And then, of course, we hear Helge at the same time muttering the same phrase mm-hmm. as, you know, if he knows something that we don't. And now it's we've got Jonas in the cave and the map. We've got the stranger looking at his watch and we've got Helge muttering this same phrase. So is all of this connected? Probably. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, now, once he gets out of the cave, he finds that abandoned bicycle on the side of the road with the red cord on the handlebar. And oh, uh, I, I just I kind of assumed that was his. Well, it was like he was looking at it like he didn't recognize it, and he pulls that red cord off the handlebar like this is the first time he's seen it. So, well, yeah, I, I, well, that's confuses me even more if this is his yeah. bike why is he looking at it so weirdly well i okay so right so when i first because i don't i i don't we didn't see him going there right we didn't see whether he biked in or walked in right he just was walking into the so i just kind of assumed that it was his bike but then when you really think about it, why would he leave his bike all the way out by the road there but yeah so my take on it was that it was his bike he left it by the side of the road and someone had put a little red string on it. And that was what was kind of weirding him out a little bit. Okay. All right. So, but I, I, but I don't know, 
you know, like like you said, also it could be not his bike at all. But then, like, it just seemed like he was, if it weren't his bike, why would he care about the, the red string? Because the red string wouldn't be, it, it wouldn't be um, notable for him, right? Okay. If it were someone else's bike. Right. Because it's like, yeah, there's someone else's bike. And look, they have a red string and a BFD, you know? Well, oh, and that also leads, though, into the scene, talking about kind of, not creepy per se, but the stranger watching Jonas sleep. And... We we have to assume he's actually in Jonas's room, and that's when we hear the voiceover about the story of Ariadne's thread that can guide us along the right path. And you know, obviously, that's pretty overt what it's trying to say. And then it takes me back to that little cord that he finds on the handlebar. Is that supposed to be some sort of representation of Ariadne's thread? I don't know, but yeah. the stranger adds some information to the map right Right. yeah and then uh there is only one path through all times predetermined by the beginning and by the end which is also the beginning i feel like we're back to dollhouse the alpha and the omega yeah yeah no doubt um you know this is like i mean this this really i mean this series was already twisty enough as it is and this episode it just really i mean so we've accepted the idea that there's some kind of way that mickle went instantaneously from 2019 to 1986 so we get that but now there's all this stuff about cycles and the end being the beginning the beginning the end and all that stuff um you know what's what's the uh well i mean i think at this what's point the, thing, we just like have the, the snake uh what's oh my god i just saw it in in something but it's like the symbol uh a snake like eating its own tail i know what you're talking about i can't think of what the show is that uh, i mean it's been was... like like it's it's not just tv it's like a thing right but there's a okay. show that i just watched that in well i knew i know it was in um uh, Hemlock Grove. Okay, well, that's not what I'm thinking of. And, and it was, but I've, I've seen it just, oh, or a Boris. Right. Yeah. Okay. But, but you're, well, I just saw it also in something else. Well, try, oh, oh, in uh, 12 Monkeys. Oh, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Regardless, it, the idea of a time loop at this point in the series is, you know, the whole end is the beginning, beginning is the end. I think that's certainly what we're supposed to be thinking at this point. So now on to the Dopplers. And we've already talked about the you know, crumbling relationship that Ulrich and Katerina are facing. And, and Charlotte and her husband, Peter, you know, that scene in the morning oh. when they're clearly coming out of separate bedrooms. So awkward. And, and yes. And then we learn a lot about that. And we learn a lot about the impact it's having on the older daughter, Francesca. Although she pretty much crystallizes it. Got a PG podcast here. But uh, <laughs> she's well aware of her father's predilections sexually. Let's just say that. Right. Well, you know. Like, there, there's a certain point where you're not fooling them anymore, right? Like, there's not that he is trying to fool anyone, but just like, you know, when once your your kids get to a, an age where they kind of know about the world a little bit more and they know kind of what's going on, they maybe, you know, start to see their parents differently. And certainly Francesca is, you know, sees her father much differently than, than probably that Ellie does, right? Yeah. Right. Right, and I wanted to bring Ellie up right right at this point because we've talked many times about how Magnus treated Mickle. Francesca treats Ellie virtually the same way, so it's probably no surprise that Magnus and Francesca are attracted to each other. But but what do you think about Ellie? Well, she that kid's a fire plug for sure. Yeah, she is. You know, um, I'm eight. I, I don't wear lipstick. Yeah. I love it. And, you know, like Francesca, like, has her dead to rights, right? Like, Francesca's saying, you know, this cute, helpless, deaf bullshit. And that's, I mean, it's not bullshit. She's really deaf, but she does use it to her own advantage, right? Right. Um, And it's, like, hilarious later 
after her sitting here looking very innocent and like, what are you talking about? That later we see her using the lipstick. And then, of course, when Francesca discovers her with the lipstick on, you know, she slaps her after, you know, be, oh, thank God you're alive. And then she slaps her and says, stay out of my stuff, you know. <laughs> right. And, and then I love the fact that she, you know, she's eight. And she understands right away the reason her mom insists on taking her to school is because of what happened to Mickle. And then she tells her mom that she doesn't like him, thinks he's a jerk. And I'm thinking, all right, translation, she likes Mickle. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. He's a jerk and, and a show off. It's funny how kids like say that as a as like this big put down why they don't like him. Oh, they're a big show off, right? Oh, they think he, they're so good. Uh, I love hearing when kids say that about other kids. It's hilarious. Right. right. Now, Peter Doppler goes to see... Uh, I assume it's his father. I mean, he says he's going to see dad, but uh, for a few minutes I was confused. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Helge is his father. And it's a very uncomfortable meeting as Helge is predicting all of these foreboding things, tells him that it has to stop. He has to stop. And at this point, we're not really sure who he is. By the end of the episode, though, I think it's pretty clear he means Noah. Well, he says it straight up. Well, does he say it? Maybe he, he did. does. Maybe it. He says it. He says it directly at the end. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, at the end, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. At this point, no. He does because he's just right. He's just saying the whole episode. He has to stop. He has to stop. He says it a couple of times throughout the episode, and then finally at the end, he names the guy Noah, and we're like, "Ah, oh, come on! I thought you were going to name someone we knew. Like, who the hell is Noah?" <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, but yeah, Helka is I mean, now. We've seen him in the past. And, and now, and of course, we mentioned before how he's like the town nutter. But now we're starting to think, well, you know, Helga seems Helga seems to know a bit more than than we think. You know, like we're we're blowing them off before as the town kook, but you know, there's obviously he is in on some information uh, that is direct, that no one else really knows about. Well, right. I mean, is it because he was of an age in 1986 that he really understood what was going on as opposed to Ulrich, who was this, you know, self-absorbed teenage boy and Katarina and, and, you know, all the others of that age. And, you know, as you said, he, he, he certainly knows a lot more than the rest of the people give him credit for. But Right. Well, we also saw that, you know, he was involved in some shady stuff back in 86 so it's you know he is maybe someone who's kind of been behind the scenes in the know for quite some time now yeah now you know the other thing that struck me as well despite the fact that her son mickle has gone missing katarina as we said has that nagging feeling that there's something that her husband's doing that she doesn't know about. And we see the same thing in Charlotte, although to be fair, she knows what her husband's about. But when she stops to get that SD card out of the wildlife observation camera, it's really not about the case. It's about her husband, even though we could now argue it really is about the case. I'm just not sure she thought that at first, maybe she did. No, I, I think she pulled it because of the case and then was because she seems very like awkward and everything after she sees the picture and realizes it's Peter's car. She's she's kind of not with it, you know, and the guy with the the, the eye patch comes in and she's really kind of rude, kind of like uh you know, just get out of here, you know, like she just wants him out because she's kind of freaking out by what she just saw. So I, I think she pulled it um, based on her reaction to that picture. I think she pulled it, you know, because of the case and then, you know, discovered that it was her husband who had, was driving along that road at that time of night. And why was he? Okay. Uh, when he told her something else. But two things. What the hell is with the guy with the eye patch? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. Did they did they line up this actor, and then he had some sort of accident in real life? Or, I mean, I I don't know. But the other thing is, Charlotte, and we've seen this a number of times in Dark. She just stops her car in the middle of the road. 
She doesn't pull over to the shoulder. Just yeah. stops. Middle of the road. Yeah. And gets out. And, I, okay, I mean, I know it's a small town, and we really don't see a lot of traffic, but still. I, that, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's a cop. She does whatever she wants, right? I guess. All right. Well, uh, Charlotte's medical examiner has been examining the dead birds and, and – uh, actually, she's got a whole tray of dead birds, which was kind of creepy. And Charlotte mentions that she saw those spots 33 years ago, which, t- again, takes us back to 86, and knows the birds and the missing kids are connected. She just doesn't know how. And, right. and, and I guess what I love about this, you know, when you were talking about your mind wanting to explode as you try to process all of this. I, I started thinking like, all right, what show is more confusing lost or dark? I, w- I would have to say dark, you know, I guess just cause of, you know, lost will be forever tainted by that ill fated last season. And you know, what many people think as a, an, illy conceived ill-conceived ending to the show so there's definitely times when lost just seemed like it was just chasing its own tail you know kind of like 24 you know just like where are we gonna go with this i don't know let's figure it out next week put the story out this week you know Um, whereas dark we really see everything is being very carefully constructed um everything relating to every you know like you get a feeling like 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 every single shot every line Every camera angle is planned out to the T so that this is all, you know, a specific part of a story. So I'd have to give it to to Dark, I think. Okay. Now, you know, we talked a minute ago about Charlotte confronting Peter about where he was the night of Mickle's disappearance. And, of course, we know that, you know, he was on the road, not where he said he was. But then we see that scene where... He opens his car door and shakes the red dirt yeah. from his floor mat. The red right. dirt? Yeah. And yeah. he not that he looks any more nervous in this scene than he's looked in every other scene, but th- again, there's something he's just so that he's, crap at 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 being like a liar and whatever he's trying to get away. He's terrible at this. And like really? Like the the red dirt that clearly indicates that you have something to do with the kid who's dead and, and you're just going to shake that off like right. you know like why don't you hose that down I'm like i'm not trying to tell everyone out there how to like get rid of evidence and everything but just if you've got dirt in your car well probably i imagine it's not just on the car mat it's probably all over the place so if you're thinking of getting rid of evidence by just shaking out the car mat dude that's that's not going to work <laughs> Right. And, and, you know, she goes to that trailer that seems to be sitting, I guess it's some sort of a truck stop slash parking lot where the transvestite hooker apparently lives and works. I guess she's trying to establish an alibi for Peter. So does she suspect that Peter had something to do with Mickle's disappearance? I, I think she totally suspects that, yes. So what is it about him? I mean, is He's she a now, douchebag. Well, but is she taking it. that leap to pedophile? He, I mean, Peter is clearly got, he's got stuff. He's got stuff in his closet, man. You know, like, and Charlotte knows about it. That's the thing. She, she knows he's twisted. Well, I don't, I don't want to say twisted. It's just because the guy is married, but is actually homosexual. That doesn't make him twisted, but he, there seems to be something about him that is twisted. Something where she right away goes there, right? Like his wife goes there. He's got something to do with this. Now, it might be him. It might be his crazy ass dad, but she definitely goes there right away. Now, the thing about Francesca and Magnus, and I think you asked earlier what the heck's going on with those two well right away she's walking alone in the woods which seems to be a favorite pastime of these kids in Wyndon, <laughs> and he's following her so all right caesar dig up a metal box that she's got hidden and looks like it's is that, was that a train track or something i don't know but in the side of a little hill there or a little embankment 
and she takes out an envelope, sticks it, you know, under her sweater. Now, again, why she doesn't just put it in her bag, which she she's ends got, up right, doing she's in the got a bag anyway. Um, but but we don't get to see her stomach if she just puts it in her bag. I guess well, probably is well, we we do eventually, know. right? Well, yeah. Right. I mean, she goes to the girls' locker room, takes out the envelope, puts it in there, and, and we see her practicing with. I guess that's rhythmic gymnastics and Magnus is of course still watching. And, and at this point it's like, all right, the dude's, you know, smitten with her. So is that what this is all about? Well, is it? I mean, obviously with so, what so you happens think it, later, we say that, but is it just, he's like really suspicious of her because he even says, what were you doing? Like what, what's with the money? What are you doing? Like, what were you doing at the caves and everything? So, um, well, you know, but but sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, and she tells him that she plans to use it to get out of Winden, and of course, he's interested in how she made the money. And again, given what we've seen already, yeah, it probably is likely she's selling drugs or you know something along those lines. But that line that she tells him behind everyone's friendly smile, there's nothing but lies. It's obviously pretty clear that everybody in this town knows everybody's lying about something and you think what must it be like to live in a town where you doubt every word that comes out of somebody else's mouth yeah well absolutely when you especially like teenagers in general tend to see adults as hypocrites and fake right and everything uh holden caulfield syndrome there um but uh, you know, but in this town, she's actually justified <laughs> in seeing the adults as hypocrites and as liars and as fakes because, for the most part, what we've seen, they are right. Well, sure, and you know, their parents are partners, and you know, we we go pretty quickly from why are you following me? Why do you have this money? You know, I'm trying to get it out of this stinking town, you little bastard, to having sex. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they actually got to the – it looked like, you know, like clothes were still on. They were just doing some dry humping here. But, yeah, still, um, yeah, it's a big shift from the I suspect you of kidnapping or killing my brother to, you know, let's get it on in the locker room. Right. Now, we know – Peter was at this cabin and we see Charlotte driving out there. And, and you mentioned the little nameplate on the, uh, the door that lets us know that this belongs to the Doppler family. So how long it's been in the family, we, we really don't know, but we know she wonders. And of course we do as well. What the hell was Peter doing there? And really before she has a chance to do a lot of exploring, she gets a call from the medical examiner and that's, you know, when she's told about the bird's eardrums bursting. Um, yeah. Well, while we're bringing the medical examiner up, so she's like, uh, Charlotte says something like, well, what about the, or maybe the, the medical examiner asked Charlotte, I don't know. One of them mentions the boy. I think Charlotte says, well, we got basically, we got nothing. And I'm thinking, okay, so this is in the future, Right. So DNA testing is kind of a thing. It's a thing now where people can find their like lost mothers, you know, if they've been given away from adoption, they can find out who their mother was simply by DNA donated by not even that person, but just people who are related to that person. So it's like, I'm thinking maybe that's where you want to go with this investigation. It's 2019. It's the future. Let's uh, let's send the kids DNA to a lab. How about that? Well, you, you would think. But she goes into the cabin, which, as we said, belongs to the Dopplers. So whether it was, you know, Helge, her father-in-law or whatever. But she it's almost as if she notices that door that, you know, looks like some sort of a storm cellar or whatever opens it and goes down the steps and i'm thinking well has she never been here before did she never notice this door before i mean yeah. it, it's clearly the same door we saw in the opening right and and i do contend that they want us to associate it with that room and the chair and eric there are lights that work 
but it appears abandoned. So I guess I just don't understand the the fact that she seems to act as if she's never seen this before. And then I, I don't know that it really matters. You wonder, well, was this something left over from World War II? Was this uh, in relation to the Cold War that was going on in the late 50s and early 60s, some sort of bomb shelter or, you know, whatever? I don't know. Yeah, well, my first thought was, yeah, that's exactly it. It's a bomb shelter from the Cold War, um, which that was that was a thing. Certainly in America, I have no doubt in Germany that was even more precarious a position in the in the Cold War. Um, so I, this is what I assumed it was. But yeah, you're right. I mean, this like this. Well, the, the episode is called Double Lives, right? And so yeah. there's all these. Like, I mean, we've had like before was let's 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 go through the uh the titles here past and present lies and secrets right so like we, we've commented on that before like and then you just said like everyone in this town has like skeletons in their closet and in this case skeletons in their underground bunker um and you're you know so she goes there so she's yeah obviously she knows about this place but yet right. It seems like, hey, you know, I was kind of wondering what this door was. Like, really? Like, have you, like, if you knew about the place, how is it you've never known about the door? Unless that's something new, right? Well, like, she like, knew the shack was there. So it's potentially, even though, like, our first hypothesis is that this bunker is a relic of the Cold War, but yet, like you said, she, it seems like she didn't really know about it before. So it's just, yeah, like, I mean, Charlotte, I've, you know, so far, like, I've been solid team Charlotte, you know, like, really good policewoman, dedicated to her job. But now there's just, like, when we dig a little bit deeper into her family life, she's got issues as well, right? Well, yeah, I mean, and, and the not to mention that both parents – forgot to pick up their eight-year-old daughter oh my god who okay yes she is deaf and she seems pretty darn independent but still yeah deaf or not it's raining get your kid on time but she's like running around basically investigating her own husband right and she's too busy and then you know she calls him to tell Pierre to go he's like i have a client no you don't like how many? Like again, you, he's such. He's like the worst liar ever. Like how many times are you going to go to the well with that same excuse, right? Because isn't that what he said before? Like why he wasn't around? Like when Mickle disappeared? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So like, how many times are you can use that same BS excuse? She sees your billable hours every month. She sees your paycheck. You're not seeing anyone. You got. You walk through the woods with Jonas. That's the only time we've actually seen him doing his job. Yeah, good point. And, right. And, right. And, and and then we see Ellie walking along the road in the pouring rain, counterpointed to Helge, leaving the facility, walking into the woods, muttering. Ellie looks like she's having fun. She's got her, her boots on. And she finds a Raider bar wrapper on the road. Now, obviously, the significance there is that we know that that was Mad's right. favorite candy bar. Why on earth would she pick up an empty candy wrapper on the road. I mean, <laughs> even at eight years old, I mean, why would you do that? Is it, is there something about Raider bars or whatever they're called? I, I, that again, didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. They, well, two things, either Raider bars are just really, really good or B there's, there's just so little trash in Winden that just one straight piece of trash is some kind of novelty. I will say this though, because my daughter just turned 10 and she still jumps and will go out of her way to jump into a puddle no matter where. You know, if she has to go 10 feet to her left off the sidewalk to go jump in the puddle, she'll do it. So it was hilarious to see Ellie jump in the puddles, though she had her Wellingtons on, so she's exactly. actually good to go. So no, no big deal there. All right. And we hear Helge tell one of the officers in the search party, I have to tell him he has to stop it. And, and of course, we assume he's talking about Noah. And then suddenly Ellie walks through the front door at home as if nothing's happened. Oh, I lost my hat. You didn't pick me up, so I decided to walk. 
But the big takeaway from that scene when her mother asks her, well, that's fine. Why did it take you this long? Well, I met somebody. He said to give you this. Right. And it's that gold pocket watch engraved for Charlotte. Right. Again, did it seem to you as if she'd never seen it before? It totally seemed to me that she'd never seen it before. So, Because she's examining it, right? Like, what the hell is this? So, But, of course, if we're talking time loops and everything like that i mean we we're we're veteran sci-fi watchers dave so the the fact that you know charlotte somehow could have given the person this watch in the future or the past or something like that i mean all that is completely on the table right now well and not to mention i start thinking about the multiverse theory did you give it to charlotte in another parallel universe yep so regardless i love it i mean obviously yeah. the fact well, once that you send a, a kid from 2019 to 1986 then every crazy theory sci-fi theory ever spouted is is totally in play right but she doesn't seem to recognize the name noah either no so where no, she noah should because from? you know god said to noah to go build me an arky arky yeah, well, we got to have that song in Germany. That 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 song is universal, man. Yeah. Uh, either way, these kids in Winden sure do spend a lot of time walking alone in the woods. Yeah, Yassin, and they really, really shouldn't. <laughs> now, Yassin, I certainly get the impression is deaf. Also, I mean, certainly yeah. he's pretty adept with sign language, as is his mother. So he's walking alone, approached by a dark man in a hood who says, Noah sent me TikTok. And that's how yeah. the episode ends. Right. You know, like, far be it for me, and actually I can criticize because they're fictional characters, not real people. But this is like twice, like, parents have, like, failed or, or let their kids, their young kids, um, you know, walk alone along creepy highways or roads next to creepy woods right after, a, you know, two kids actually have gone missing. Like, are you effing kidding me? Like, what is, what is wrong with these people? Like, like, obviously, it seems like Yasin is a pretty hard-headed young man. And he really wanted to walk to school by himself. But, like, still, like... Hey, mom, were you like, were you not around? Like, did you just sneak out the back door? Or you didn't notice like 15 minutes later that he was gone? Like, come on. I know. This is just so, sloppy, sloppy stuff. So. so, all right. Well, why don't we take a listen to what Fred had to say about this week's episode of Dark? Because he brings up some good points, some of which we've touched on already. So, uh, Fred, bring it on. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with Feedback for Dark, Season 1, Episode 4, called Double Lives, or in German, Doppelleben. First off, last week I was talking about the birds, and that they were all J, as far as I could see. In this episode, when the pathologist Edda Heimann is dissecting the birds, this is more or less confirmed, because I only see J on the dissecting table, at least 9 or 10. Furthermore, the pathologist is talking about the fact that the white spots are not typical for the species. So, she is talking about the species. The question is, does she also mean one species? One nitpick. Why is she fully dressed up uh, for just cutting open a bird? And Charlotte is standing next to her without any protection. Pfft. A bit overdone. Perhaps one of the birds is uh, too dark to be a jay, but I still could, it still could be a craw, another family member of the jay. Um, on the other hand, it's also known for, uh, from jay that they can quite vary in their color pattern. Last week I wonder whether, they dying, uh, whether the dying of the birds had anything to do with the nuclear power plant. However, that wouldn't have explained why they suddenly fell with dozens from the sky. This week we get some answers, but also new questions of course. 
the pathologist to Charlotte on the phone. Um, the bird has uh, the same thing, burst eardrums on both sides. It's probably died from losing its bearings and crashing into the ground. Cracked skull. It happens often. Electromagnetic fields interfere with their sensory systems. Shows a lot. High voltage power lines? No, says the pathologist. We are talking about voltage on the radio wave spectrum. Electrical appliances? And Charlotte. And the white spots in the feathers? The pathologist. They started appearing after Chernobyl. It's a kind of mutation. Charlotte asks, radiation contamination? The pathologist. I checked, but the radiation levels are normal. So, it remains interesting, and I think the white spots are indeed by mutations, but the electromagnetic fields, well, we have the disturbances in the lights, of course, in town. Okay, still a lot of questions. Next topic. I think it's quite brave of Jonas that he goes into the caves with the map he found. What boy of his age would do that just on his own? What is Peter Doppler? To, uh, what has Peter Doppler to hide? I think it's a red herring. Obviously not the one Charlotte uh, expected with the travestite, uh, a transvestite sex worker, but another one. Or is the transvestite lying? What about red dirt? In Peter's car, at the Doppler's cabin. It's not just the kind of dirt you could find round the cabin. It's clearly in the form of tire tracks. Now the topic, why does Francesca hide her money that deep in a creepy wood? Or is it not her money that she hides, but this is a way of getting paid for something? I think so. Why would she otherwise put the empty box back? Does it have something to do with drugs? She was after Eric's drugs until uh, Bartois uh, took them away from her. On the other hand, it could also be something else and Eric's drugs was just an extra opportunity to get enough money to leave Winden. And what is with this railroad track under which she hides her money? If you look at it from Magnus' position, he is following her, you could see on the right side of the track that it disappears under a lot of leaves. And then you have to look just a little further. The track is pointing towards a solid rock. Where were these trains once going? Was it a kind of mine? But I don't see any opening. The rock looks quite solid. What is Francesca's relationship with Magnus? Do they have a relationship? Is them having sex at school, at the school gym, their first intimate contact, or even their first contact at all? Is all the anger, anger just teasing as a sign of affection? In German, there is a proverb for that. It's, all, it's so well known that we even use it in Dutch because we don't have an equivalent. Was ich liebt, das neckt sich. And this means teasing is revealing affection or lovers like to tease each other. Okay, I have so many other things to discuss further, but I think my time is up by now. Very interesting series, I have to say. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. All right, now, the thing about Jonas and his bravery going into the caves with his map... Um, I guess it, I mean, it, it clearly is brave. I'm not sure how smart it is. But on the other <laughs> hand, who can he really trust to show that map to? No, I mean, the, the, exactly. yeah, the, the whole, the, the, the town is a mess. Right. So I, I understand that if he's going to do it, he's got to do it alone. The other thing that Fred mentions with Peter Doppler and, and what the hell is he hiding? And Fred mentions the possibility that Peter Doppler is a red herring, and I hope not, because I really hate that narrative device. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't necessarily, well, yeah, I, I'm not a fan necessarily, but I, I get it, right? Because you have to, you know, as, as people are watching and thinking, you have to throw them something that, to, to throw them off, you know? Well, um, I understand You don't want to make that. it too obvious, in other words. Right. I believe but, uh, that there's a uh, a theory or not a theory. Uh, I can't think of what you would call it. It's called Chekhov's gun. Have you ever heard of that? 
No. For Anton Chekhov, who who explained in terms of his his theories of writing fiction that if you introduce a gun early on, it has to end up meaning something. It right. can't just be there. So sure. uh, he didn't use the term red herring, but that's kind of, I guess, what he's getting at. So I really well, hope Peter Doppler's not, but... Well, well, yeah, and and a show like Lost, which is not a whodunit, right? Sure, it's a WTF is going on. So, and and like I said before, like you really get the feeling that everything in this show is super planned out, and everything is meant to mean something. So, I, I don't think that they would have something as cliche as a red herring. I mean, Peter Doppler clearly has something to do with this. Yes, There's absolutely. There's no doubt about it. So it's, I don't think we're just, we're not chasing a false lead here. He definitely has at least some kind of idea. And honestly, obviously his dad does too. And we see how messed up these families are from one generation to the next, right? Yeah. And we saw with the Titlemans who are like a, just one winner after another, um, we see actually three generations of titlemans that are a mess, and and now we have at least two solid generations of Dopplers, and we've also seen well, yeah, three generations of Nielsens uh, that are a mess. So you know, you know, I I actually I like Francesca, so I'm not going to label the mess, uh, put the mess label on her just yet because I really like her. But yeah, the, the Dopplers like all around. Like Grandpa Doppler is is crazy. Peter is just a complete. He's probably the most messed up character in in, in this series, and that's saying something, right? Well, and um, for all the reasons you just said, that's what I love about Francesca and Magnus together. Yeah, I love those two kids together. Yeah, me too. They're great. You know, good for them, and they're, they're both two of the more likable characters because we don't see them as the a-holes who are in on the secret well it is like the kids you know like as the who say the kids are all right you know like the kids are are the good ones magnus and uh, and uh, francesca and jonas right they're the ones who are trying to deal with all this you know all this baggage that the previous generations have brought forth on them for that, you know, from what we've seen, you know, it's the adults who are a mess, who are having affairs, who are breaking into power plants and getting beaten up, uh, who are, you know, sleeping with prostitutes, uh, who are not sleeping with their spouse, uh, creating, stressful home situations for the kids um this they're all the, the adults are a complete train wreck and it's the kids who are like trying to figure out trying to get out now the the the, the bad thing about francesca is we've we saw Ulrich as a young person saying exactly what she's saying right yeah sure i, I want to get out of this place i hate this place i can't wait to leave and where is he right right we talked about that yeah so while Francesca, I applaud her desire to leave Winden, I don't feel like that's a thing that's going to really happen. Right. I mean, is she fated, along with Magnus, to get caught up in this time loop if that's, in fact, what it is? And Right. If so, they're going to be some middle-aged, pushing 50 couple who really don't talk to each other, who are banging other people, and probably one of their kids is going to go missing. Right. So, All right. Anything else you want to bring up? So the the only the, the one thing actually, and it probably will be two more things before, but I'll just kind of stretch this out a little bit. Um, so, you know, Ulrich challenges Charlotte, saying, "You're not working that hard because it's not your kid." Oh, I right? hated that. I hated him saying that. Yes, but look what happens when it is her kid. Well, that's right? true. Like how she drops everything. And that becomes like the most important thing. So I absolutely agree with you. When he first said that, I'm like, that is totally unfair. But then later, when it is her kid and she just drops everything she's doing, 
which is, don't get me wrong, understandable, right? But certainly she puts a lot more energy and passion into trying to figure out where Ellie is than she really probably has with with Mikkel. You know, but but again, it's not entirely fair because you know, Mikkel disappeared into a wormhole or something, and is in nineteen eighty six. So, you know, we really can't blame her for not making a lot of headway on this investigation. Good point. So, what was the second point you wanted to make? Um, I wasn't sure I had one. I just was just kind of uh, leaving that open in case something came to me while I was saying the first point. All right. Well, so, sounds- I think I think we're good. All right. Well, listen, Fred, as always, love the feedback. Keep them coming. And uh, yeah, so it's, you know, we're hitting the midpoint next episode with a title that we'll see if it actually is accurate. I'll leave it at that. So uh, we'll we'll leave this discussion at this point. And that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Dark or anything else that's going on in genre TV. Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails can go via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can get on the website. We'll be back next week to talk about Season 1, Episode 5 of Dark, titled Truths. But until then... You know, in the words of my proctologist, black holes are considered to be the hell mouths of the universe.